Open up your Bibles to James. Book of James. We've been talking about the blessing of God's presence with us over the last few weeks. Hearing his voice. The fact that he's with us. But he also talks to us. One of the greatest privileges that we have is entering into his presence. I was telling the guys at prayer this morning, every week I listen to a song, old hymn, Holy, 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 that Shane and Shane does, and they tie it in with, uh, I bow before you, those of you who know that. And to me, it's the epitome of what the gospel is about, a holy God, but we have access because of what Jesus has done. We can come into his presence. Uh, what a privilege. We talked a few weeks ago about hindrances to hearing his voice, having idols in our hearts, things that we hold on to that aren't actually God. I happened to read this week some things that Jesus never said. Jesus never said, follow your heart. In fact, the Bible says your heart is deceitful above all else. Jesus never said, be true to yourself. Jesus never said, trust your gut. <laughs> Jesus never said, happiness is what matters. Jesus never said, just be a good person. Sometimes we get wrong things in our heart that hinder us. Uh, we talked about another hindrance is that we have boundaries to where we think God can speak. Uh, a secular, sacred divide that we think that God can speak to us when we're in church, but not when we're in the marketplace, which is everything outside of church. I shared about that a couple weeks ago. I had a number of people come to me afterwards with testimonies of God speaking to them in the marketplace. If God's spoken to you, in the marketplace, at work or someplace, would you just raise your hand? Quite a few. Lance shared one with me. I'm going to have him come again. This is Lance Day. And just share briefly a testimony of God speaking to him and how, some of the ways God can speak to us. Hello. Yeah. As most of you know... Um, uh, I work for ETCS, one of the managers there, and we're an electrical and fire company. Uh, we had a contract to replace a switchboard and some very old wiring at the St. Aloysius uh, School. And, no, Laminia, that one's in Hobart, at Laminia School in St. Leonard's. And so I went in a few days early to find out where the switchboard was fed from so I could isolate it, get it all ready so that my guys could come in on the day during the holidays um, and replace the internals of the switchboard and remove all the old wiring up, up the, a few floors above. So that's pretty straightforward. I've done plenty of that. So I found where the switchboard was fed from, put my voltmeter on the main switch. Yep, I've got the power off. I put my lock on the, on the other switchboard where it was fed from and went home. But I had this nagging feeling. Got up next morning. You've got to go back. I just felt God telling me I had to go back. So I thought there's something wrong. So I went back and I checked. There was a second feed still alive 
coming into that switchboard that I'd missed. My guys would have gone in there and put their hands on it. So God spoke to me and um, covered up for my incompetence and I called in there at 8 o'clock the next morning and double-checked everything and, and to my horror, there was, a, there was a circuit which I didn't know about and I was able to lock that out. So God definitely speaks in the marketplace. Wonderful. Isn't it wonderful that God can speak to us in every arena? How did he know it was God? Because when he got there, there was a live circuit. Sometimes we're not sure, is this God or me? And so how do we know it's God? Well, when it actually works out. There's a, a third hindrance that I alluded to a couple of weeks ago, and I want to talk about that. And it really is this. We don't recognize or believe that God actually wants to be with us. James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. We often go on and read the next part and say, okay, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-tongued, all this negative. But it actually says, draw near to God, and he'll, he'll draw near to you. I think for many people, too often, we don't think God wants to be around us. Sometimes we feel like we don't qualify. Or sometimes we think God's angry with us, or he just really doesn't like us. You ever felt that way? I think God just really doesn't like me. We need a fresh revelation of the love of God. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to look at some scriptures, and I think that we're going to experience something more, as we already have, of the presence of God and the love of God poured into our hearts. I want to read you a scripture. I don't need to read it, and you don't need to hear it, because you know it. But I'm going to read it to you anyway. Probably the most well-known scripture in the Bible, which would be what? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 14 and verse 6 says this, I am the way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The goal was not just that we're righteous, but that the goal was that we come to the Father. That's what Jesus is saying. Psalm 139, 17 and 18. I know Psalm is in my Bible. I marked it. it says this, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. How precious are God's thoughts toward you? So you can say that. If you were to count them, they'd be more than the sand. I play golf every once in a while. 
Unfortunately, I always end up in those sand bunkers. And uh, I was overwhelmed one day. It's just how, many, how much sand is in there? Because I hit a whole lot of it out before I hit the ball. And there was still a whole lot left. In one sand bunker, there's probably hundreds of millions, if not billions of grains of sand. But how much in all the sand, all the coasts, all the sand dunes? Baba says God's thoughts toward you are more than that. Think about that for a second. That's actually pretty amazing. It's beyond our comprehension. Now let me read you what I think is one of the most controversial scriptures. John 17, verse 23. I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Think about that. God loves me the same as he loves Jesus. That's just hard to comprehend. And if you come from a behavior-oriented church background like I did, it almost sounds like it's heresy. Jesus is perfect. He's never sinned. Of course God loves him more. He's his son. Yet the Bible says that God loves me. God loves you. The same as he loves Jesus. In fact, he... Not only loves you that way, he made us co-heirs with Jesus. Holy Spirit, we need you to bring revelation. We need you. We open up our hearts, we open up our minds, and we say, would you give us a new revelation of the love of God? Because we sure can't get it on our own. Jesus, God loves you the same as he loves Jesus. God's not angry or unhappy with you. In fact, he's always loved you. Jeremiah 31, verse 3 says, And the Lord appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. Again, I will build you and you will be rebuilt. I've loved you with an everlasting love. This very plan of God making us was, came out of his loving us. Wanting that intimacy with with him. This redemption concept, this idea of us being restored was initiated by him. 
God so loved that he gave. God so loved the world, but you can put your name in there. God so loved Glenn that he gave his only son. God so loved Tony that he gave his only son. God's thoughts toward Kate are more than the sands. God loves Bruce the same that he loves Jesus. That's pretty amazing, huh? It's beyond what we can comprehend. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. But God's not angry. He's actually happy. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God in your midst, your present, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you in his love and will rejoice over you with singing. God actually is delighted when we come into his presence. He's happy. That's what creation was all about. He rejoices. How many of you need a change in your thinking? Because you don't view God that way. As I shared a couple weeks ago, my relationship with my dad, I knew that he loved me, but he was very busy. He worked two, sometimes three jobs in providing for us as a family. We didn't have a close, intimate relationship when he called me into his presence, that was usually to give me some direction or to give me some correction, some discipline. And so my concept of God for many years was that God would correct me or direct me. Even after I got filled with the Spirit. See, something happened. Even as a young teenager, I want to tell you this, I just realized that uh, to this degree this morning, I was raised in a church that our concept of God was very much, he was far out. He was removed. He was holy. But there wasn't anything of intimacy. There wasn't anything of relationship. But we would sing these hymns. And I just would be overwhelmed. There's there's something that the people who wrote these hymns had that I don't have. There was an old hymn, The Love of God. How rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels song. And in singing that, I thought, something's missing. Whoever wrote that had this understanding, this experience of the love of God that said, this would be the saints song forever. My song would have been something different. Would have been how God redeemed me, but I knew it was because of his love for me. But it wasn't something that was real. So we need a revelation. But you could say, oh, but I'm just one of many. 
I know that God loves Lance and Christine, but he doesn't really have time for me because that was my approach to God. God's very busy running the universe. And he only has time for me when I need some correction or direction. He doesn't actually just like being with me. (laughs) What happened when I had that revelation of the love of God, that there was something there, I shortly after that got filled with the Spirit. And everything changed. And I realize now that that became my plumb line. Shortly after that, I was in university, group of young people at a uh, weekend camping trip, this class we had. And we were singing some songs around the campfire. And I looked across the campfire and I saw this young lady who was a worshiper. And something in my heart said, I want to know her. (laughs) That was a few years ago. I've probably learned more about the love of God from her than anyone else. But then something happened, as does when you're in love. We got married, and eventually we had a child, a boy, a son. And it actually shocked me when he was born, the love that, that happened in my heart. I was ecstatic. And I, it was, he was born the 15th of December. And I went home and put on old vinyl record back in those days, back just after the flood. <laughs> and uh, put on Handel's Messiah and went to the part, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And I literally danced around our little apartment. Mary was still in the hospital, all by myself, ecstatic. But then a little bit later, Mary got pregnant again. And I'll be honest, I was scared. Not about having children, but I had so much love for this one. I don't want this one to to have less. But I don't have any more. I felt like I loved this one 100%. And then the second one was born. And something happened. And I loved him exactly the same as I loved this one. I don't know how it happened. I just had love exploded. And I had something more for this one. I loved him 100%. But I loved this one 100%. My math brain says that doesn't work. (laughs) But then we had a third one. And it happened again. And then a number of years later, our oldest son got married. And I was surprised that it happened again. I love my daughter-in-law, love, as if she were my own child. And then my second son got married, and it happened again. And my third son got married. And then they had children of their own. And it happened again. What am I saying? I loved each one of them as if they were the only one. If that can happen for me as a mortal, think about God's heart. 
to him, you're the only one. His thoughts toward you are greater than the sand. His love towards you is the same as his love toward Jesus. I don't understand it. But that's what the Bible says. Each one of us is as valuable to God as his only son. So we need a renewed thinking. When we read, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God is not hesitant. He's not being forced to spend time with you because he doesn't like you. He's actually, your picture needs to be, he's sitting, leaning forward, just waiting for you to come near that he can almost pounce on you with his love. We need to change. He's leaning forward in eager anticipation, ready to pour out his love on you. See, the love of God is not a theological doctrine to be learned or comprehended. It's actually a reality to be experienced. I didn't know that for years. I was a follower of Jesus, but he was far off. God's saying he loves us. He's calling right now. He's a guitar player. Did you know God's a guitar player? <laughs> Johnny Cash. My wife was teasing me because I've got black today, so I'm the man in black. I'm not going to sing very. Because you're mine. I walk the line. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3. That Christ, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend. That word in the Greek isn't an intellectual understanding. It's actual and experiential word that you may be able to comprehend and experience with all the saints. What is the width and length and depth and height to know, experience again, the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. We're never filled with the fullness of God until we've experienced his love. Not we have a theological understanding. A friend of mine wrote a song years ago, I'm loved by the God of all creation. 
Jesus, King of Kings, loves me. I'm loved by the God of all creation, and he proved it when he died on Calvary. That's a wonderful statement, but that's an intellectual assent. I believe that God loves me because of something that happened 2,000 years ago. That's how I come into his presence, but that's not what it's about. It's about him pouring his love into our hearts. It's about us being able to draw near, comprehend, and experience the love of Christ, that we're filled with all the fullness of God. I think this is one of the keys of our relationship with God that we have to get a hold of. And one of the things the devil attacks most God can't love me because of what I've done. Yet Romans 5 says that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. God's love was demonstrated toward me that while I was still rebelling against him, his love. So what does that mean for us today? First and foremost means this. God wants you to know that he delights to be with you. To speak to you. Because he loves you more than you can ever comprehend. He loves you more than the world. There's this interesting verse in Matthew uh, chapter 20, uh, 16, verse 26, and it talks about how much would someone give what profit is a man if he gained the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Basically, it's, it's counterbalancing the wealth of the whole world and a soul. Now think about the wealth of the world. Hundreds of trillions of dollars. All the stuff. Yet, that's not enough. So what did God give? He didn't give the world. He gave his son. He gave another soul for yours. Why? Because he actually likes you. And he wants to be with you. And if that doesn't penetrate our thinking and our, then worship becomes some action we have to go through. A quiet time is some uh, Discipline that someone told me I should do. But the reality is that we get to come into his presence. And he delights in us. He wants us to experience his love. Romans 5 says the Holy Spirit has poured the love of God into our hearts. I'm going to ask you if you'd all stand. If you can. If you can't stand, I understand. That was not a pun. My wife thought it was. I'm going to ask the worship team if they'd come back to the front. Uh, 
we're just going to have a moment of allowing God to pour into us. I have no idea what song we're going to do in a few minutes, but they will. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to them. Let me ask you if you just bow your head for a moment. As I was preparing this week, a number of times I was overwhelmed by the presence and love of God. And I felt like God said that there's some here today you've never actually experienced the love of God being poured out upon you. And that he actually wants to do that. We'd love to pray with you. If you haven't experienced his love, I'm going to ask you to come to the front so that we can pray with you. But it's not just for them, it's for all of us. Jesus said this, you have not because you ask not. Sometimes we just have to say, God, will you pour your love into my heart? I want to experience you. After I saw that there were people who had a deeper love for God that I didn't know about, I came to that conclusion, that became my prayer. And it's become the plumb line of my life. Why do we worship the way we worship? Because we're after the presence of God. God added me to a wonderful woman, blessed me with children. But throughout my life, he's connected me with people with a similar heart. But God began to speak to us about coming here to Tasmania. We came here and sat with Tim and Kate. And I saw in Tim and Kate a hunger for Jesus said, yeah, we can build a church together with that. His presence, his love. He is the one who's glorified. So we're going to sing a song here for a moment. But if you haven't experienced the love of God and you would like to, I'm going to invite you to come to the front. I'd love to pray with you, some people to pray with you. This is not to embarrass you. It simply is sometimes we just need others. But all of us, as we sing, are just going to pray that together. Can we? Father, would you saturate us with your love? Would you pour your love into our hearts and fill us completely and to overflowing so that not only do we love you more, but we love everyone that you love with the same love. Lord, if you loved me while I was still a sinner, you loved my neighbor who was still a sinner. The same as you love Jesus. And you're drawing us to yourself. Lord, you say, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And we say, Lord, we want to come to you. Thank you for manifesting yourself already this morning. Speaking to us being with us, but would you once again pour your love in our hearts?